This is Stu Hynek, author of Get the Meeting, an illustrative contact marketing playbook, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which was named by Forbes as one of 11 smart podcasts that will keep you in the know, and named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help us both discover new ideas so we can better succeed in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you are a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction and save you time. This show is produced by my marketing firm. We work with manufacturers to help them grow. If you're a manufacturer and are serious about growing your business, check out our guide to lead generation for manufacturers on our website, salesartillery.com, or Google lead generation for manufacturers, and you'll find the guide atop the organic results. And very special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Aribi. If you're overwhelmed by Google Analytics data and not sure how to turn it into actual insights to improve your website conversions, you can get a free 10-day trial, no credit card required, by visiting oribi.io slash marketingbook. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash marketingbook. And use that link to get 30% off your first three months. And unlike Google Analytics, you'll get a helpful and friendly conversion expert available 24-7 to answer your questions and show you nifty tricks and hacks to optimize your conversions. I'll have more details in a bit. And now, on with the show. Today, we welcome back Stu Hynek to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Get the Meeting, an Illustrative Contact Marketing Playbook. Case studies, tactical examples, photos, and critical steps to get a 100% response rate every time. Published by Ben Bella Books. Stu Hynek is a Wall Street Journal cartoonist, Hall of Fame nominated marketer and author. He is the host and author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, podcast, book, and blog. And interesting fact... He and his wife live on an island in the pristine Pacific Northwest, and he was a college party pal of actor LeVar Burton at the University of Southern California, Go Trojans. <laughs> Stu, congratulations on Get the Meeting, and welcome back to the oh, Marketing Douglas, Book thank Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I forgot all about <laughs> all the parties with LeVar. It's true. Well, you know, authors need to be careful what they put in their books because I read them. And I, uh, you know, now for the rest of memory, I'm going to be able to, if it were ever asked of me in a Trivial Pursuit uh, game, I would know this about Stu Hynek and, and LeVar Burton. Of course, it won't come up in there. But that fact alone, Stu, is just, it's going to permanently take up more mental hard drive space, uh, you know, instead of remembering someone's cool. name or something important. So at any rate... Your first book, uh, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, was phenomenal. And it, not just me. I mean, all these uh, leading publications and thought leaders uh, had such great things to say about it. I stole well, I a lot that. of the tactics in there, you'll be happy to know. have sh uh, more importantly, shared the, many of the ideas with clients that they found very helpful. And this, you did not disappoint. Stu Hynek, 
I'm going to give you permission to stop writing books because after these two, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what you're going to do. But if you if you do a third one, I do hope you'll come back on the Marketing Book Podcast and become a member of the exclusive. Uh, marketing book podcast uh, three timers club, but every marketer and salesperson needs to read this book. And there's a part in your book where you were talking about how marketers or salespeople are thinking like they're only using email to try and get through. This is 281 pages of ways, ideas, new technology about how to have a swarming offense to try to get through and meet the right kind of people. So, I want to quote from, actually, the very end, 281. Actually, I said it at 281 pages. Yeah, including the actually cartoons. 283. Right. So, yes. And well, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm still not being truthful because at the end, you've got a series of guides on like how to make a desktop video, how to make a greeting card, how to make a custom box. I mean, it was just... You you look up sharing in the dictionary, and I think for a while there's going to be a picture of you because you didn't hold anything back. Every little trick, tip, tactic. So, page 281. This is not some obscure offshoot of marketing. I now fully appreciate that the ability to make important connections for everyone in business, whether they sell or not, is a critical mission that runs across the entire enterprise. Contact marketing is now a decisive change management program with deep implications for the success and growth of any business or career. So, Stu, explain what contact marketing is and how this book is different from oh, great your questions. first book. Well, so first of all, contact marketing is something I think most of us do naturally. But the, the definition that I give in, in both books is it's, it's a fusion of marketing and selling. That's good because usually those are two silos kept separate. Um, but a fusion of marketing and selling in which micro-focused campaigns are used to create contact with critically important accounts and prospects. And so, you know, that just sort of takes a lot of different forms. And that's what the two books are about. All kinds of ways to do that. But it's really useful to say, well, who are the people who can change the scale of everything? The scale of either, you know, if you're if you're selling for a living, the scale of your career. Who are, who are the people? That, who are like the, the accounts? Although those are usually assigned, but who are the accounts and prospects that, if you got them as clients, would change everything? And and then, okay, once you know who they are, well, how are you going to reach them? Because usually they're very difficult to reach. They're important people. They're well insulated, and it takes a lot of doing to get their attention. Um, and not just to get their attention, but get their I guess get their intrigue so that they're really interested in meeting with you. And so we've got two books and, and they're actually meant to be used as uh, companion books. So the first one is how to get a meeting with anyone. And for that one, you know, I started with, I, I used my cartoons and I've been using them my whole career to break through to people. I break through to people that I guess I used to say I, I should never have been able to reach, but obviously I should have been able to reach them because I have. And, and you can too, and everyone can. So, but I got really interested in what everyone else was doing. You know, how are people meeting this challenge, this incredible challenge of meeting and connecting with the people that they really want to reach, but then also do business with or have some sort of relationship? Maybe they're partners, maybe they're, maybe it's a mentor, maybe it's for a job. I don't know. But but certainly, um, there are all kinds of ways that you've got to. I mean, all kinds of reasons for getting meetings. So, what are people doing to do that? And and what I discovered was that there's this whole world of 
and really this sort of underground ad hoc form of marketing out there that didn't have a name. So I named it contact marketing in the first book and how to get a meeting with anyone. But these are these these really clever methods, smart methods for breaking through to important people. And I ended up with 20 categories of contact marketing campaign types that filled out that book, that first book, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. So it came out and I thought I, I thought and I did I realized I didn't have everything. And how could you? But I thought it was pretty a pretty exhaustive list of the things that you can do to break through to important people. But then as soon as it came out, I started hearing from all kinds of people with all kinds of stories. Some were saying, oh, I wish we had talked because I've got other methods for you to, to talk about. So, okay, great. But also, Stu, there were some people that read your book. This is where the example is of the right book at the right time can change your life and career's trajectory. There were some people that read your first book and then contacted you and told you how they had done one of the things in your, one or more of the things in your book, dramatically yeah. transformed their careers and the success of their businesses. It was just, well, yeah, it was amazing. It. You can't imagine what, well, I guess you can. You talk to authors all the time, but it's amazing. You write these things in, in um, I mean, you, you interview people, you're talking to people, but otherwise you're in isolation as you're writing it. And, you know, you hope this thing will have some impact out in the world. And it was having huge impact, a huge impact. But, you know, back to your mm -hmm. original question, one of the things that people said a lot was, I loved the book, but I wish I could have seen what the campaigns looked like. Just something as simple as could you, you know, it really would have been nice. If, uh, there Do you have an example? And, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. Book, the book, to get the meeting started with, let's put together a a collection of case studies with photography so that now people can see exactly what the campaigns look like. So it started there and then really morphed into something much more important, actually. And it, it became the, the basis of a new model for contact marketing. And um, you probably can tell that, I mean, you know, as in the process of writing this, I'm writing all these chapters about these, these new methods for breaking, or new to me anyway, methods for breaking through to important people or great stories. Some of their great stories out of Hollywood. There's all kinds of stories in here. And, and then, uh, so, you know, as I was writing the final chapter, I, I wanted to read back through, I went back through the book and read the whole thing. And I got so excited because I was realizing, Oh my God, well, you know, this really does change everything. Everybody, everybody needs to get meetings. And this gives a, a new model and a new expectation for, Reaching, and I know the marketers in your audience may cringe at this, but a hundred percent response rate, and I think really every time. Now, what I'm saying is, really, is that we we set a base rate at a hundred percent, and maybe we can go into that a little bit further. But you know, that's what this new book is about. It's it's so they're companion books. The, the first one has 20 categories of contact marketing campaign types. The second one has 16 more plus a new model, etc. You know, there was one part in your book, and I don't have it bookmarked here, but you talked about how some marketers, maybe those who've only been in marketing for three years, they'll look at what's in your book here and say, oh, well, some of that's mm. old school. <laughs> and I couldn't agree with your tone more, where you were sort of saying you're yeah, ignorant. That's what that is. <laughs> it's, it's not... And then, and then you come back and say, okay, so what are you using? Email? Social media? Right. Uh SEO, content marketing, hey, those are old school too. This has more to do with yes. what works. And I think the more that people can be 
channel agnostic, the more successful they're going to be. The other thought here, Stu, and this is the part where I give you know, free unsolicited uh, career advice to the authors, because I'm full of ideas as long as I don't have to implement them. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is you could update this every two years now with fresh examples, because in the book, and if we have time, we'll talk about how AI and uh, augmented reality and uh, virtual reality are playing a role in a lot of this. But it's like David Merman Scott he has the new rules of marketing and PR, which has been out for maybe 11 years, and he updates it every two years because there's so much new, so many new things that are happening. So anyway, that's uh, just in case you're looking for something to do there, Stu, you could update this every two or three years, and it would be a must-read. So let's get into some of the things that I want to ask you about. You say two words float in our vocabularies, often interchangeably, that are often uttered with a tone of admiration, unless they're used to describe the actions of salespeople, (laughs) perseverance and persistence. Talk about the power of perseverance and uh, persistence. You know, that was a really interesting, thank you, because that was a really interesting distinction between, you know, I was between the two words. People use them interchangeably, persistence and perseverance. But persistence, you know, a, a, a twig, Tapping or a branch tapping against your window in a storm can tap persistently. It doesn't really offer much value. It just yeah, and it's a term you hear on the weather report. True. Persistent rain. Yeah. Um, now, but perseverance is a different thing. When someone perseveres, they're they're admired for doing it, and and it's really it's really a character trait. So I I, I think that 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 was part of the this the distinction i saw and and wrote about in the book is just we need to be perseverant and we need to use persistence as a tool um now interestingly uh, i i got to expound on that a little or expand on it a little bit further because um i i just did a an interview with fast company and they were asking me about well what, you know what's the value of persistence what's it about and i had to give it a little more thought and i realized well you know we ought, there is the status quo, and people tend to protect that status quo. It's it's safe, I guess. Yeah, we're, we're our brains are yeah. hardwired that way. Uh, yeah, I to guess stay so. alive. I guess it's survival, perhaps. Know, but <laughs> change, but, yeah, know, you can exactly. Only survive by changing and adapting. I mean, that's sort of a better survival strategy. You know? Oh, absolutely. But it's like the, the notion of change is hardwired because change meant risk. Yeah, and, danger. and that still happens. So so you know, persistence then is the is the force of intention, and really, I guess, the victory of intention over stasis, or the intention of uh, the, the the victory of intention over protection of status quo. And you know, the protection of status quo. Let's if you're selling is is if you if you're approaching someone you're not selling to, that's the status quo. You want to change that, so it will require persistence to make that happen, or it will not happen. It's sort of the engine that makes mm-hmm. sales and and um, uh, persuasion and uh, really flip moments happen and change the way that um, will we'll change the status quo. It's really that that simple. For some reason, I underline this because it just resonated. You know, this two words: a persistence campaign. What is a persistence campaign? And just as important, talk about the role that value mm, needs yeah. to play. I see a lot of persistence campaigns, I think, and there's no value. Just yesterday, I was meeting with some clients, and they were talking about what they wanted to do. 
And the only thing they were missing was any kind of value for the recipient. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, that's not good. Well, you know, uh, I mean, you know, we've all heard people have, we've all gotten an email or a call from someone who's saying, hey, just wanted to check in, which is, which offers zero value. It's just, oh my God, this person I didn't, you know, I, I haven't. I mean, I haven't <laughs> you want to say, is that all you have? <laughs> But then you realize. Well, I mean, the reason you haven't had time to be, get back to them is because it hasn't risen in your in your level. I mean, it hasn't risen risen at all in your in your priorities. It's not important to get back to them based on the value so far that they've presented. I think that's basically it. So every time you 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 know, again, we're going to tap. Let, if we're if we're that branch tapping on the window, persisting, then <clears throat> you've got to offer value each time. So it could just be. A story could be something like, you know, I was just at an event last week, and I thought of you because I know you're you're facing this challenge, and I I, I you know attended a speech and they, and the speaker talked about this. Well, that's great because that 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 sparks thought and and it helps the the recipient actually in in terms of thinking through their own issues. But there always has to be value in mm-hmm. your approach to to anyone, or or why would they ever respond? Positively, anyway. Why would they ever respond? I mean, that. I, I guess that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of the the crux of the matter. Well, I guess companies get too close to it, and just a little uh, little hack for the for the listener if they're not familiar with this. One at one point in this meeting yesterday, great client, good folks, you know, but they're like all of us. We're, we're we get too close to these things. And we were talking about sales outreach and so forth, and I said, "Are you guys familiar with Feedly, this RSS reader?" Uh, they, they they weren't. And I showed it to them and I said, this is what the sales guys, uh, the sales professionals, men and women, could be using each morning. You come in and you find these articles. You're following certain things that are of relevance to your prospects you're working. And they said they were only working about 12 active prospects at a time. And I said, this is the kind of thing. You didn't have to write these articles, but you see something that you were just talking with them mm-hmm. about yesterday. And here it got published today in the Wall Street Journal or whatever the local paper. Boom. Send it to them. Yes, yeah. it's really a big impact, and that's like a free value play. But it does require thinking about them, listening, and then sending it to them. But it really doesn't take very yeah, long at and, all. And it, it it makes a bit it makes all the difference actually. <clears throat> I, I rarely am on the receiving end of something like that from a from a sales. No, I would person. I would say temper that also with your own insights, right? Because then then you're actually offering your own unique value, but. Yes, yes, that's even better. Yeah, even better. I was just trying to think of some things that uh, I'm thinking about. Some sales hand to hand when they're out of ammo, they don't have whatever they need. You know, it's just something that it works really, really well. Let's, I guess, kind of related to that. Let's talk about personalization. Yeah. And there's two two big concepts uh, in the book. Explain what you mean by the concept of going deep versus. Going yeah, well, wide, you know. I so I started my career a long time ago, and when I started, I w- I was creating direct mail campaigns and using personal personalization in well personalized cartoons. So the personalization showed up in the form of writing gags that had data insertion points for first and last name. It was kind of a cold way of saying, you know, you write the cartoon, I mean, the, the cartoon shows up, and it's about you, and if it's if it's on target, if, it, if it's about something that's important to you and something you agree about. You're going to be going, oh, my God, this thing's so cool. And they'll keep it up. Yeah. I would still well, say it still that. Works. It still works. <laughs> and, and so, you know, right. back then, I, we were applying that method, you know, to um, mailings of like a few million at a time. 
like for Forbes or some some uh, uh, for most of the magazines actually. But you know, I, I always think of Forbes because there was a funny story that popped up about someone who didn't understand that they didn't send out two million pieces of mail with his name in the caption of the cartoon. <laughs> so it can be very convincing and endearing, and so and I still use it. I mean, that's the basis of a when I'm using cartoons and contact marketing campaigns, I'm still using wide personalization, but. The, but the definition and nature of personalization has changed, probably thanks to, well, thanks to the internet and, and web search and certainly social media. And so now we have the ability to really very qu- well, quickly and thoroughly get a, a, a good sense of who someone is and what they're talking about, what they're concerned about, what they're interested in. And, you know, you, and so when you're using deep personalization, you're doing a profile scrape and you're, you're perhaps you're, well, then you're, you're, you're using some form of contact or outreach based on what it is you learn. So a good example about a specific individual. individual. That's right. So, so a good example of that was in the beginning of, um, of how to get a meeting with anyone, or at least the new edition, I, I included a story of Dom Steinman who used the book and used deep personalization to great effect, he did. He discovered that when he, instead of making a hundred cold calls a day, which is what they were required to do, or I should say, in addition to that, he started targeting individual prospects and doing a deep search, to do, you know, profile scrape on them. What are they interested in? And started formulating gifts for them that that just spoke to those interests that they were exhibiting in their in the in the scrapes. And he was getting right through and getting deals. So. You don't, I mean, that's like, you, you don't even have, that's not even a, a formalized campaign. You don't, you know, there isn't a, you know, there isn't a letter with a, with a, a box and it's all designed by the art, well, by the marketing department and so on. It's right. nothing like that. It's just these very authentic outreaches based on perceptive observation and watchful waiting, I suppose. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you about this sweet free 10-day offer from Aribi that does not require a credit card, will make you look smart, and frankly, if you don't take advantage of it, I might wonder if you're listening to the right podcast. Plus, there's an additional special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. As marketers, we're drowning in website data. Have you ever looked at a Google Analytics report or tried to explain to someone? Knowing exactly what to do with Google Analytics data isn't easy. It was built for analytics experts with plenty of time, technical resources, and a pretty deep understanding of that platform, unlike most of us. Aribi's goal is to make web analytics easy, and the Aribi platform has proven to be a game changer for thousands of businesses. That's because Aribi translates your website data into actionable insights and helps you focus on what really matters and what requires your attention right now. We've been using Aribi here at Artillery, and I know this sounds crazy, but it reminds me of when I was in the Army and the first time I ever put on night vision goggles. Suddenly, I could see things I didn't see before. Like I said, it's kind of a game changer, or as I recall saying in both instances, whoa! And unlike Google Analytics, you get a helpful and friendly conversion expert available 24-7 to answer your questions and show you nifty tricks and hacks to optimize your conversions. You can even ask for Emily. She's a marketing book podcast listener just like you. 
but don't get her started on Nebraska football. Remember, this is a free 10-day trial that does not require a credit card, so even if you don't end up using a Rebe past the trial, you'll get access to all the reports and insights to improve your website conversions, and you'll get 24-7 access to a conversion expert. But wait, there's more. Marketing Book Podcast listeners who sign up for a Rebe will get 30% off their first three months. With savings like that, you might consider sending your host a bottle of single malt scotch. To support the Marketing Book Podcast and take advantage of this offer, go to oribi.io slash marketingbook. That's spelled O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash marketingbook. There's also a link to it on this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And now, back to the show. Can you tell the story about the Yeah, glove? well, so that's, that's actually still part of Dom's story. So, you know... No, that's, yeah, oh, that's I'm fine. sorry. I didn't that's make that great segue. So Dom discovered that if he started personalizing these gifts to these um, really important prospects, that that he would I mean, personalizing them using deep personalization, that he was able to break through and he was getting deals. So his cohort started. You know, they're all of them were required to make a hundred calls a day. And there are listeners to this podcast who I'm sure are saying, "Yeah, yeah. I have to make a hundred calls too." <laughs> well, there's help. <laughs> so. His cohort started noticing what what was happening. He was starting to break through to prospects that no one in the company was able to break through to before because they were just all. In fact, didn't his boss say, "I'm going to bet oh, that's a this different won't work"? <laughs> another one, but oh, I'm sorry, um, but yeah, that's another great story. Actually, it did work, but <laughs> so he found out something about this. Yeah, so one well, I'm individual. saying so. His cohort started to notice what he was doing, what was happening. Said, Would you help us do that too? He said, "Sure." So one of those was, um, you know, a colleague who said, "Okay, here's a here's a prospect. Nobody's been able to reach him. What do we do?" He said, "Okay, well, let's let's take a look." And they did a profile scrape and discovered he's really into falconry. And so they went to, like maybe by looking on his Facebook, yeah, Facebook page or something, and um, and and LinkedIn and Twitter and um, mm-hmm. and more. But you know, okay, you, yeah, you can even go to their company sites. There are a lot of sources of information, bios, and so on. Yeah, you know, at a time when it's never been harder to break through, it's never been easier to find out. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of prospects. tools to help you do it, and you can break through. So they they went to a, a falconry site, called up the, the owner, and said, "Okay, look, we've got we want to get a gift for someone who's really into falconry. What do we give them?" And the owner said, "Well, look, take a look at this glove. Now, falconists use these really ornate gloves, just a single glove, and that's where the falcon or the I don't know, all kinds of different birds, I suppose, hawks and even owls, and they go hunting with these with these birds. So." They need a they need a really thick glove because the talons on on the on these birds are just they're they're lethal obviously that they're hunting birds yeah by design by design they need, they need protection so these gloves have been have developed in these really ornate pieces of almost heirloom quality items that that you you could collect them mm-hmm. I suppose I don't know so he, so the owner said get them this glove okay so they ordered it they also downloaded the, the picture of it and put it in an email and sent it out to the prospect right away and said, I just, so the, the, the rep said, I just ordered this glove for you. I know you're really interested in falconry, but you know, I wanted, I'm sending it because I'd love to get a few minutes of your time. And the, the fellow wrote, now bear in mind, no one had been able to ever get this, this guy to even respond, but he responded immediately and mm-hmm. said, Hey, thanks so much. That's really cool. But I'm really not a prospect for what you guys do. Well, okay. Then the glove shows up. And as soon as that happened, he got in touch right away, sent a picture of it, and he said, oh, my God, I got this thing. It's so cool. I love this. Hey, look, remember I told you I'm not a prospect? Well, I'm really not, but, you know, I have three 
I know three CIOs who are looking for what you guys do right now. So I'm going to make introductions because I just want to thank you. And six-figure deals ensued as a result of that. So it cost them 100 bucks to make that happen. That's it. Deep personalization. And so let's talk about wide personalization. It's not like you have either or, but wide is sort of the other end of yeah, the I mean, continuum, it just became, right? The, the, the toolbox of personalization just became bigger. and It, it now encompasses more tools or sub-tools, whatever they are. But so wide personalization is, is I mean, there you don't, you don't need to know the name of their dogs or someone's dogs or any of these, you know, where they went to school or any of those things unless it's built into the campaign. But generally, you just need to know, you just need to have their their first and last name correctly spelled. And you can do all kinds. That's yeah, all that's we it. ask people. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and probably the best example, certainly the best example I can think of is my own use of cartoons. So if I send someone mm-hmm. a cartoon, if they're a CEO, and usually I'm, I'm often looking to reach CEOs, well, I know that if I send a cartoon that's personalized, and the message of the cartoon is that, it, or let's just say it commemorates their success in business. It's something that they're going to, it's going to turn into an instant heirloom to their careers. They're going to keep it the rest of their careers somewhere in their office. So that's pretty cool. All we need to know, though, is that they're CEOs, therefore they're pretty successful and they're business people. So I can create a gag around that. And then, of course, I have to spell their name correctly in the caption and and once that happens, I mean, magic happens. I, you know, I mentioned that that campaign a moment ago about uh, uh, the campaign for Forbes magazine. It was a subscription acquisition campaign that went out to two million people, and it went out there to that volume of people because it became the new control. Marketers will know what that is, but it became the new control mm-hmm. and beat the earlier controls because it works. You know, it works really, really well. So you know, you just in in wide personalization, you end up sending something that. I think, at least in the best examples, I think you end up thrilling the person into responding. And, and overall, in contact marketing, the, the goal has always been to cause the recipient or the person on the other end of this campaign to be saying, of the, of the sender, man, I love the, the way this, this person thinks. Wow. I just gotta, you know. Yes, I love the yeah. way you think. You said that several yeah. times in the book. So that's deep and wide personalization. You mentioned gifts, though. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about gifts. Um, it's often said that of gifts that it's the thought that counts, but you argue that for contact marketers, it's the concept that counts. So can you explain the concept of gift giving and jewel yeah, boxing? Well, okay, so so first gift giving, and you know the master of this is uh, is John Rulon. I think you've probably had him on on your show. Gift. Yeah, he the author of Giftology, He's, and uh, and actually, he is the one. And you quote, you say this in your book. He he he's the one that explains that, amongst other things, it's not really about the gift; it's about the yeah, experience. Yeah. He's just the master at it. And, you know, his standard gift giving protocol is this. He or not protocol, but just the the, the campaign that he uses is um, is is a, a set of Cutco knives, and the knives have been personalized with the person's name perhaps and and their 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 company logo and if they're the company but not his, his company's no, no, no. logo <laughs> that's right yes you don't want to send stuff with yeah. your company's logo on it i know that's going yes. to jar some people but very, it's important. very important yeah so what happens is the gift shows up beautifully wrapped because that's john he, he, you're right the, the, the whole experience it's a there there's a 
there's sort of a pageantry to it. So, well, you know, even his book yeah. when he sent me his book. It came in a box, and it had, like, red felt in it, and the book was beautifully yes. bound. Yes. And then it was inside a bag, and I'd never had an experience yes. of opening a book like that. I kept all that stuff, and we talked about that, but that's an example. Even his book, uh, sending his yeah, book was yeah, an yeah, experience. No, you're I'm right. Sorry, I, I have one, too, and it's just, you go, wow, I've been sending it in the wrong stuff, you know? But. So, uh, so what John does with the knives is this, it's, and it's brilliant. This is a great, a great illustration of thought that counts versus concept that counts. So here he's sending a knife, and he sends it with a personal—I mean, with a, I should say—a handwritten note. Those figure in a lot, it, it, pretty heavily in in contact marketing campaigns. Uh, Wait a minute, I thought handwritten notes those weren't really high well, impact huge anymore, and they don't really. Yeah, nobody yeah, does they're old those. school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so well played, good sir. Now, in the book, you talk about Laurie Richardson and how handwritten thank you notes, yeah. and I, I agree. You, you didn't write it this way, but every month, handwritten thank you notes become even more powerful than the previous month because they are so they are rare. rare. I send exactly them all the time. Right. In fact, I'm sending Excellent. one to you after this I, interview. I won't even think it's old school because, you know, because nothing, nothing really is. You just use what works for crying out loud. So, so, all right, so, yes. so what, here's, here's what John does. He sends um, a, the block that holds the knife, the knife set and then the first knife, but that's it. And then the next week, another knife shows up in the, in the set. He's got the whole set all ready to go, but it's, you know, it's a multi-wave campaign. So in the first wave, the block shows up with the first knife. Next wave comes, shows up another week, I mean, a week later. It fits right into the into the block and all that, but that's the next knife. And then the next one comes, and the next one comes. Now, here's the brilliance. Here's the brilliance of this, just utterly brilliant, is that, you know, this is the kind of gift that someone will take home, and they'll put it in the kitchen. Yes. And, and their spouse exactly. will say, who yes, is this it, person? It's the spouse becomes part of that campaign. The spouse says, yes. well, who is this person, and when are you going to do business with them? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just brilliant. <laughs> so, you know, he, so oh. that's the concept. You know, it's not just here, here's a set of knives, mm -hmm. but, you know, there's, it, he turned it into a multi-wave campaign that, that he knew was going to affect and, and really pull in into the campaign the, the spouse or the partner of the person he's trying to reach. I think that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. So, let's see, you asked about gifts. And I forgot. About the, oh, jewel oh, boxing. Jewel yeah. boxing, too. So, yeah. I think you should probably explain what that is because um, people may not be familiar with what. what yeah, well, what I guess the thing is there. packaging. God, you just you just nailed it. Also, with the, the packaging that John sends his book out in, um, he's jewel boxing his book. So, well, a jewel box is a you know a little box you open up. There's a, there's jewelry in it, and that box you know there's a specific kind of box. It's hinged and it's sort of a rounded top, and you you just look at the box. And you know that there's a ring in there or something. There's some something of great. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to propose yeah, marriage to me, something clearly. Something big's about to happen. I mean, it's just there's value inside that box. And so when we send yeah. our things out, if, if we're sending something tangible, it doesn't always have to be that, but in, in contact marketing, but if you're sending something tangible, then really pay attention to the, to the packaging as well. Make it exciting to get it and open it. You know, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. So mm -hmm. put it in some, something that really creates excitement and a, and a sense of, of, um, of occasion when it shows up and it, you know, people open it. I mean, when I, when we send our cartoon prints around, it was a little bit different, but we, or, or our big boards, we put it in, we've got special 
custom-made corrugated packaging. I love brown corrugated. So it doesn't always have to be fancy stuff. And I, I think brown craft corrugated cardboard is incredible stuff because anything you put in it or next to it has this huge contrast. And it makes it look all the more valuable, I think. You know, if I put my book mm-hmm. in that, it would just, wow, you know, that yellow book, boom. <laughs> it's like this this fluorescent thing that comes out of the out of the package. And you can pers I mean you can God, you can actually first of all, you can print on corrugated cardboard, obviously. I mean we've seen that's packaging everywhere. Mm-hmm. But you can now personalize those packages. They can actually because but because really right now a lot if you're doing a, a short run production run of, of corrugated cardboard, it's actually being done digitally now. So the printing is digital. So you can oh, personalize right. the you know the the box even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's there's hundreds of little things like that yeah. in the book, and it occurs to me that, you know, let's say you're a marketer who's trying to get some street cred with the sales team or or trying to get them to pay attention. You read this book, and you come forward with just five ideas, they're going to think you are something else. Like, holy cow, I didn't <laughs> even know about this. There's a lot of that in there. But let's keep going as it kind of relates to the gifts. I want to quote from page 117 where you say, Visual metaphors are not what you'd typically think of as a business mm-hmm. gift. They're not a fruit basket, a pin, or a logo-plastered <laughs> set of golf balls. They are not deeply considered gifts that come from thorough research on individual traits and interests. In fact, they're really not much of a gift at all, although they present like one. Stu Hynek, yes. visual metaphors. Oh my what God. are you talking about, about? One of the most powerful things you could send anyone to get their attention and create contact. So examples, right? I mean, that's what this book is about anyway. It's about examples. So Dan Waldschmidt is one of the best examples I could think of. Um, and I think Dan has probably been on your podcast as well. Oh, God. Okay. No. He's one that I will recommend to you. Oh. Um, Dan is incredibly oh, okay. smart. He's an incredibly smart marketer. So he writes the, the Edgy Conversations blog, and it's a very popular sales blog. And the thing is, though, that actually what he does for a living is he's a turnaround specialist. And he has this really interesting method for breaking through to CEOs of companies that have, you know, that are in trouble. What, what he does is he combs the business news every morning for stories of missed earnings estimates. And when he finds one, he has this beautiful, he's, made, he's created a relationship with the prop maker who made all the swords for the movie Gladiator. So, yeah. One of my favorite and, and really movies. Really nice swords in that, actually. <laughs> So if he wants to send me one of those swords, no, I'm kidding. I know these are expensive. So, so, um, so he has a sword made up, and it's engraved on the on the blade. It's engraved. By the way, they're not sharpened. That's good. But it, the blade is in, engraved with the CEO's name, and then one of his inscriptions. Usually, it's if you're not all in, you're not in at all. And then this gets placed. Very exactly. gladiator. He's a very special kind of person. This is he's a he's a, he's a um, an extreme athlete, I guess you could say. He runs 100-mile races and wins. He's a really very competitive guy. Mm. Yeah, well, he hasn't raced <laughs> well, me what? yet. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Dan, don't come after me. So uh, so, so he has the sword made up. It's placed in this beautiful wooden box with a handwritten note. There it is again. And the handwritten note says, Dear Douglas, I know business is war, and I noticed you lost a battle recently. I just want to let you know if you ever need a few extra hands in battle, we've got your back. And it's signed Dan Waldschmidt. Probably has his phone number on there or something. I don't know. But there's no, it's, he doesn't even send it on letterhead. It's just a handwritten note. Now, you know, you know what's interesting mm-hmm. about this? Well, a bunch of things are interesting. One is he gets a 100% response rate to this. 
boom, there it is. These do happen. Marketers out there who are saying 100% mm-hmm. response rates are impossible, they're not impossible, they're happening. And he gets 100% response rate to this. I think what's really interesting about it as well is from a branding standpoint, I guess a, a brand expert might be tempted, let's say, you know, the ones that talk about old school. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kids these days. And say, you know, there's no branding in there. I mean, you know, it's just a handwritten note on a, on a piece of paper. Where's the logo? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, where's his card? All that stuff. And, and so I would argue there's huge branding in this because Dan took yeah. the time. He noticed that you were in trouble. He made up a sword. I mean, these, he didn't have a rack of swords in his office saying, Look, hey, Mary, send, me the, send this guy the sword. <laughs> you know, he made one up for you. And he wrote out a little note to you. I'd say, and, and, you know, here's the thing. That sword is the, visu- the visual metaphor of the value that, that Dan intends to bring to your, um, to your situation, really, to tr- as a turnaround assignment. Mm-hmm. So he's there to fight for you. And, you know, that sword may not be – you probably weren't saying, well, I'm really into swords, and I was hoping someone would send me one of these, <laughs> right? So, but <laughs> except well, well maybe I, I'd be thinking that, but that's only because I've read about him in both of your books. Well, what would be an example of another visual metaphor that doesn't cost him? I think it's a thousand dollars each one well, of these there's things. A, you know, we might sort of segue into cards too here, but Kevin Mitnick is a guy we might you probably don't know his name, but you probably know about him. He was one of the original hackers, white collar crime hackers who was sent to prison. He was sent to prison for five years. And Oh, yeah, that's where I, I met him. No, him. I'm kidding. <laughs> that's true. That's it. So, so uh, when he came out, you know, what a what a what a great story of reinvention um, his is. Because when he came out, I'm saying, well, what do I do? All I know how to do is hack. But he realized, well, that's a really valuable skill if I turn it around into a service to, let's say, the the Fortune 1000 companies out there to say, look, I, you know, I'm I'm the world's most notorious hacker. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out of prison even. And, you know, that's that ordinarily is something you probably wouldn't, you'd probably run the other way from. But here's the thing. My value is that I can constantly attack your system to, exa- to I mean, in a benevolent way, but attack your, your IT system and your security systems to ex- expose vulnerabilities. And I'm probably the best person in the world to do that. Well, he's got lots of clients now among the, be- among the, the Fortune 1000. And, um, but he's got the coolest card also. So his card is, and you might remember it from the book and it's, it's almost too bad. We don't, we don't see this in video, but his card is etched metal. It's, it's stainless steel and it's etched so that they're cutouts and it, it, it's actually forms a, a set of tools, lock picking tools. So you can actually sort of pry these things out of the card and them to pick locks. That's mm-hmm. so. That's a that's the visual metaphor. He's protecting you from the the other hackers out there in the world who are using these virtually on right. your on your your IT system. Now, and yeah. Well, let's, let's say there's no, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's no logo on there. There's just his name and his contact details, well etched into the metal. Yeah. 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 So I, let's keep going on that because chapter and seven and eight were perhaps my two favorite chapters. And they were on pocket campaigns and unsolicited proposals. So you write that, as it relates to pocket campaigns, uh, 
attitudes are changing quickly yeah. about business cards. Explain what a pocket yeah, campaign well, is. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I did a really quick survey on, on LinkedIn while, while I was writing that chapter. And I was just asking, what are you using for business cards? Or if you aren't using business cards, what are you doing? Like yeah, bumping your phone. That, that or, app, you can yeah. tap phones together. But people were saying, about half of them yeah. were saying, I don't use business cards. That's old school. Jeez, people, come on. <laughs> so they're missing the point completely. And after having read that chapter, now yeah. I understand. Well, so, why. you know, the, the business cards, or they were saying, look, you know, you're going to kill trees, et cetera. So all I do is when I'm at a networking event, maybe then I'll, I'll just, we, we trade phones and type each other's details into the, into our address books and move on to the next person and so on. And I'm thinking, well, what, how silly that is because what happened? I, I, I would forget the people. If I met 20 people, 10 people, five people, I'd be saying, now who are they again? I, I, I can't remember their names. And if that's, the, if that's the case, then they're lost in your address book. You don't even know who they are or where to find them. Or if they, mm-hmm. you know, others were saying, well, I just, we just connect right there with each other on LinkedIn. And okay, that's, that's fine, but you know we 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 all go through that experience of of connecting with people on LinkedIn, and that one experience with that one piece of it really is about. I mean, I said it in the book. It's about as significant an action as waving to someone who's heading the other way on the freeway. You know, and it's it's over in an instant. Mm-hmm. You forget because there are others you're waving to, and you just forget. I mean, it's just they're not memorable um, exchanges, and they're really lost opportunities. Similarly, though, people who do have business cards. It's been sort of this long-standing arms race in 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 the business card world. So you know who can come up with the most fancy things to make people who are carrying these cards look impressive. It's not working. You know, gold gold foil stamping and embossing, or or laser laser uh, engraving on metal and wood and and carbon fiber and so on. But it doesn't impress anyone, and it's not working. So that, that's that's why all these cards end up in boxes or worse. But there were there there've always been this, you know. I I know you've seen it too. There's always been sort of a, a collection, just sort of this handful of cards that you've that you've gotten from from people over the years, and you just say, "Whoa, wow! I didn't even know a business card could be like that. That's really cool." And you put it into a special place. You mm. hold on to it. Yeah, keep right? it. Right. And so so mm-hmm. those were the ones that I was interested in and the thing is i was building a new contact marketing model and so part of that has to encompass face-to-face meetings chance meetings how do you pull them into your you got to have a campaign to pull them into uh, more than just throwing away each other's business cards afterwards (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so the pocket campaign starts with a card that's like those those handful of cards that we get that we just say, wow, I didn't know a business card could be like this. What they really are are engagement devices. And if the engagement device mm-hmm. is properly set up, then there's a reason to go to a, and that's part of the part of the pocket campaign model is you give them a reason to go to a, a web page, a landing page, or I said in, in, in the book, a jump page where you can set a tracking pixel. And then once you've done that, then you really should have a digital persistence campaign running throughout your contact marketing efforts, so outreach and in-person uh, chance meetings, there should be uh, a digital persistence campaign running in the background using retargeting or remarketing ads. So if you get them to a page where you can mm-hmm. pixel them, then that pulls them into the into the campaign. Well, you know that really that turns business cards into something completely else. It's still a piece that you pull out of your pocket and hand to someone, but now you can generate 
response, uh, sales, and ROI, measurable ROI, measurable metrics. You could be doing an A-B split test, one pocket campaign in one pocket, and then one in the, a different one in the other pocket and hand them out alternately. I mean, you mm-hmm. can start to have an effect on your sales based on what it is you're handing out at these chance meetings. You know, one of my clients started using one, one of my mastermind clients, who started, they, they, they've been using them, and he sells business insurance. So you know, ordinarily at a networking event, um, you, you know, when you're have, having lunch together, you, know, you turn to each other, what do you do and what do you do? And he hands, hands out a business insurance card. Usually that extinguishes the conversation. Oh, you, oh great, thanks. Sure. Turn the <laughs> other way. insurance people. <laughs> you do. So, yeah. but we we did a Z card, which is sort of this format. It's two cards, and you pull it apart. There's actually this tightly folded poster inside. So we created this whole portfolio of business and insurance cartoons. And there's an offer to come to a page to get a, an insurance a, a free personalized cartoon print. Um, so that's the jump offer. And he he said that the the fourth card he handed out resulted in a sale and what they said was that they were showing it around the office for two months and then they finally had the need for for new business insurance um, coverage so they called him first so that's pretty cool yeah there's a lot to these pocket campaigns i mean it really is i'm gonna uh, read that chapter again because i want to i'm gonna try and do something like that but it was i had no idea about how you could put all that together so now the card is really it's not handing a card you're shooting yeah. a starting gun, of a, or you're, you're, you're knocking that first domino down uh, that goes to several other steps. It was just, just ingenious. Let's talk about unsolicited proposals. It brought to mind a book by an author you mentioned in your book, mm-hmm. Anthony Anarino. And his most recent book was called Eat Their Lunch. And it's about competitive displacement, which is a really, I think, pretty fancy word for stealing business <laughs> away from your competitors, but doing it completely ethically and actually helping your client. And in his uh, book, he argues that there's discovery fatigue. You don't call up a company and say, I'd like to get to know you better and find out what your uh, pain points are. And it's like, no, 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 you don't do that anymore. You you call up and say, these are I want to give you a briefing that you can then share with your colleagues. These are three things that your company should be aware of that are coming in the next 18 months. And based on our experience working with companies mm-hmm. just like yours. In other words, don't let me tell you what my problems are. You tell me what I need to be worried about. And that's where I, the unsolicited proposal, uh, it just, it, it, I, I couldn't help but think of uh, that approach that he yeah. has in his book. Yeah. So, well, okay. So, you know, the first book in my experience, uh, How to Get a Meeting with Anyone came out. And then almost immediately, I heard from Curtis Brooks. Curtis is one of the principals at, at um, the Magis Group in Chicago. And he said, you know, I, I wish we had talked before your book came out because I have a method that you don't have in your book. Oh, okay. First, I'm saying, darn it, that, <laughs> the book just came out. <laughs> well, and then you were probably saying was, thank you for saying, oh my contacting gosh, you know, me. Well, this is actually a huge opportunity to learn more. So he was telling me what he was doing, mm-hmm. and and they would exactly that. They would study the clients, the clients that they wanted to reach out to. That he would, they would study. What their issues are, you can do a lot of research, as we were mentioning earlier about when we were talking about deep personalization. Now you could just do it on the company. So what's going on with the company? But also, what kinds of insights can they bring to um, to the company that actually can help them move in a new direction and maybe forestall some of the problems that they see coming? Well, those that's and they and then they 
then what they do is they put it into this very specific format that I think it's an eight page proposal and it, it reads almost like a, like an infographic. It's almost like that. And then there's these, there's this sort of a cadence that they, even through the pages, there's a cadence about when they have the, the, the client's logo on it or their logo on it and the client's logo. And eventually it, it, it comes down to having just the client's logo on it at, at the, uh, at the last page or, yeah, where at they the don't right page, ask yeah. for the meeting, they act, they specify who should be in the meeting, and they take the meeting and just say, "Let's set this up for this date." <laughs> and and so they're not asking, they're not even asking. It's a brilliant approach. Um, shows a lot of this is doing your homework to the to the extreme. It shows a lot of mm-hmm. forethought that these accounts really appreciate. And what Curtis said happens usually is that. They'll say, well, hey, thank you for this. We, we got it. Now, uh, we, we love what you've done here, but there are a few assumptions that you don't have right. So why don't, we, why don't we have that meeting and we'll set some of those assumptions straight and see what you can come up with. So that's, a, that's, you know, that's taking a meeting at a very, very high level with large companies and providing a lot of value right out of the box. It's great, and we are going uh, a bit long. Sure do you have yeah, a couple sure more do. minutes? Okay. Now, uh, apologies to the listener. I, I realize you're probably already at work, and you're in the parking <laughs> lot. Um, you can just go into work now. But when you come out, I want you to listen to this last part because there is so much in here, and there's quite a bit, and we're not doing justice to the, the book here. There's a, quite a bit about uh, digital marketing and how to, you know, mm. geofencing and uh, retargeting, all of that, running Google ads and all these ingenious things that you can do. So to all of you uh, marketers who uh, have been in marketing three years and you think everything that you don't do is old school, yeah, that's in there too, okay? But I do want to ask about, I want to ask about two other things, LinkedIn and video. Okay, so you talk about how LinkedIn, your LinkedIn profile is Mm -hmm. your digital handshake, your first impression. And I've heard this from other places too. When you say that uh, younger users who grew up on social media have an easy time making connections, but they aren't closing deals. And veteran sales reps who are adept at creating relationships and closing deals are finding time spent on social media to be more frustrating than helpful. But you say there are people who are mining valuable business relationships and deals on LinkedIn, what are they doing? <laughs> well, I mean, for one thing, they're doing both, so they're 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 connecting easily, but they also recognize. I think mm-hmm. that's I think this is the most important part of it is that they're recognizing that you have to do more than uh, well, certainly you have to do more than say, let's say, uh, you connect with someone and then as soon as they accept, you pitch them. That's you haven't re- earned the right to oh. pitch them yet. That, you're not there yet. Well, and, and fair warning, I follow Tim Hughes' advice. He's one of the co-authors of Smarketing, where he says, when you get that, you've got to report him for spam. <laughs> well, <laughs> They're hey, ruining just, it for everyone. Happens, I disconnect from them. I mean, I have a connection. Oh, same here, except what I do is send a very sarcastic meme. I now have two that I send to people who do that. And any of you listeners who would like to have a copy of those memes, just message me on LinkedIn, and I'll send them to you. And I then you, say, you I can want use that. See, see <laughs> Stu Heineck? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm providing value here. But every day, there's there are people doing that, and I just want to say, really, really, does that yeah. does that work? And actually, I did say that to this one person who was an, an agency expert, you know, because I mean that's my line of work as you. And uh, I said, I, I'm curious, does this actually work? And he responded, and he said, ha ha. Or I sent him the 
sarcastic meme and he laughed. He he laughed <laughs> digitally and LOL. said, "Yeah, no, uh, yeah, LOL." But I, I I send hundreds of these to agency people and I pick up uh, a new client like this uh, about oh, every quarter. God. And I'm just thinking there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people that are disconnecting and. If they remember who you are, they don't want to have anything to do with you. There's massive yes. collateral damage in doing that kind of thing, but I digress. Yeah. So you said you don't like it when you, you have to earn you the right to pitch. You have to do that. And so you, you've got to create relationships. What's, you haven't created one yet. And so I think that one of the things you ought to be doing really quickly is, because this is someone you really want to connect with, you've got to, you've got to take it out of the realm of, of just LinkedIn. So you know, it could be sending them something, send them a card. Hey, man, I loved, I loved connecting with you, but you know what? I'd love to get on the phone with you sometime because I'd like to talk to you about this, but whatever it is, uh, or picking up the phone or arranging, or arranging a podcast interview. I mean, there's all kinds of things you could be doing to connect with people on a much. Or you could say, hey, what's your mailing address? What's a good mailing address? I want to send you this yeah. pocket campaign. You don't. Yep. Say pocket campaign, but that was again one of the one of the really important things in your book is you reminded people that the purpose in almost all instances, maybe e-commerce aside, but the purpose of all this online stuff is to get yeah, offline. It is. It's to have a relationship. It's, you know, if you're selling yeah. people, and we're all selling, <laughs> no matter what we're trying to do, that's all selling. So if you're mm -hmm. selling, it, mm -hmm. people buy generally. For, I don't know whose quote this is, but. People buy from people who, who they like, know, and trust. So you're not creating a relationship if you just connected with them on LinkedIn. That's, that's, that's not enough. Um, you, can, you can also integrate. Obviously, people know how to interact with, with uh, posts and so on, and that, that helps. But I think it's actually, I think where it really shows up is when you do something offline. I think that's what actually cements the, the, uh, the relationships. Yeah. So it, yeah, it yeah, can absolutely. be done. And and you were you were saying before, yes, yeah, so that veterans are having a frustrating time. I you know, I'm probably one of those who's having a frustrating time with, with LinkedIn. I'm, I could spend all day on it and I don't want to. <laughs> I've got mm -hmm. other things I want to do. So that's frustrating. Sure. And now I, I do have to say though, I do get the biggest kick out of hearing from listeners to the marketing book podcast and they message me, that's they're great. connected, yeah. whatever. And the reason I do is because, I mean, we all like to help people and they'll say, hey, I'm a brand new marketer right out of college or I'm making, I'm a 30-year veteran doing you know, this or whatever. Is there some book or resource you know of that could help me with that? And I get so excited when I'm able to say, yes, I know just which book you need to read. You don't need to read the other 249. <laughs> read this one first and let me know what you think and then message me back. But it's, I, I love doing that. So for you, dear listener, uh, please, as I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, connect with me on uh, LinkedIn. And if I can point you in the right direction, please let me help you do that. I might even save you some time, but enough <laughs> about your host. So well, let me ask one last, stuff, one That's last the thing. real stuff of, of creating relationships on, on, uh, on social media. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes those relationships do go offline. And I'll tell you what I mean by that, Stu Hynek. Some listeners have actually sent me liquor. <laughs> In fact, almost every listener has sent me liquor. So if you're a listener and you What's have not sent me night? liquor, uh, I'm just, you know, social proof. Oh, I like uh, single malt scotch. I like bourbon. Um, you know, if you're a listener in Greece, maybe some ouzo. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, ombre international. That's perfect. You know, so whatever. 
That's right. That's right. And I, I drink it while I'm editing uh, my <laughs> interviews. So, And I'm running a little dry right now, folks. So at any rate, just one last thing um, I wanted to ask you about. You write that video is the third level oh, yeah. of literacy in modern life. And ex- explain what you mean by that and, and what yeah, the first well, two you know, are. Think about this. Uh, the first level of, of, of uh, literacy is being able to read and write. Imagine going through life not being able to do that. What kind of a disadvantage would you be at? Yeah. So that's the first level. Second one is one we've all been, th- most of us, anyone who's listening to you has been through, which is to become proficient on computers, just digital persistent or, or proficiency. Mm-hmm. And then finally video. And if you are, if you can't communicate through video and you know, people my age certainly struggle with that. Uh, we, we, we didn't grow up though. I should say those who didn't grow up with it, those who aren't millennials, we're, it's just not, it's unfamiliar. We've watched a lot of video and watched a lot of TV, but the actual process of putting them together and how it works and so on is the, I believe is the third level of, of, um, of literacy. If you can do it, your communications can just go all over the world and, and people love, I mean, you've got to do them well, but people love them. And by saying, when I, when I say do them well, I don't really mean make them slick. I mean, they, they, they should be authentic. You should be authentic in it. Uh, you don't want to be looking like, well, you're trying to do a news broadcast from a network news station, I mean, or newsroom, <laughs> but you, so you got to be just authentic, but you got to have some great value in it and consistent value in it. Yeah. If you do that, um, you are, well, you can, you can see what's happening around us. I mean, there are all kinds of people who are using video to do this and, uh, and they're creating great successes and huge followings. And the more authentic or imperfect you are, if you make a mistake, it actually makes you more yeah. human, which is actually uh, lowers people's resistance to thinking like, um, no, this guy's, I'm not sure I can, I can trust him. And there was another book that was on the podcast recently by Ethan Butte and Stephen Passanelli called Rehumanize Your Business. And they work at uh, BombBomb, uh, which is a, a sales and marketing uh, email platform that involves video. Anyway, they, their book is not about their, their company, but it's all about using personal videos, which you know you didn't you, you couldn't go into as as great a depth as they did with a whole book, but it was very, very interesting. So if you're let's say you're uh, an older person who's not using the the video types of things, they the personal videos, you know, we're talking about the the videos on your uh, smartphone or on your uh, computer at work. And they've got all the data and numbers that show how much more effective it is. It was really, and you know, it's an affirmation of just one part of your book about how important uh, you know videos are. Yeah. So, Stu, if readers took only one thing away from the book, it's what really simple. It be? One meeting can change everything. That's it. Yes. So you you need to get meetings. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I want to quote from page nine, where you write, what is the greatest friction point in every career and in every business? It's not the absence of customers or investors. It's not the resistance from a hyper-competitive market. It's not a shortage of capital. It's the lack of access to important people. It's getting meetings, the right meetings with the people who can become dream clients, sponsors, strategic partners, employers, or investors, with the people who have the power to change everything. So, amen. That is, that is absolutely correct. What 
is one thing the listener, just one thing the listener could do today to put in action one of the hundreds of ideas in your book? What you could do, you need to know who who are these people who can make that that difference in your life. So I think probably the first thing I would do is figure that out. Who is it that you'd like to meet? And, you know, place no limits on it. You could reach anyone. I've reached presidents and prime ministers and Mm -hmm. celebrities as well as C-level people all the time. As well as the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, which, as I recall, only required you to pick up the phone and call me because I so rarely get calls (laughs) that I was excited that someone called me on the telephone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, but I mean, you could, so place no limits on it. You could, you can meet anyone. Actually, you gotta have you gotta have a reason for doing it, and and you've got to be able to offer something of value. But you can meet anyone. So who are those people that and and you know, put together a list? I mean, I in in one of the books in the first book, how to get a meeting with anyone, I said come up with a top one hundred list, and that's that's probably more sales oriented than than um, than just in your personal life. But come up with that top one hundred list. Who are the people that if you connected with them? Would change everything in your in your life and in your career and your in your business. So that's one, and the, and then mm-hmm. the other would be, you know, use. I would follow Dom Stein, Steinman's example to to use deep personalization because it just requires almost no, well, just an investment of time, but and and, and effort, of course. And then you know you can get a hundred dollar gift and reach someone. I mean, that, that's a hundred dollar campaign. That's nothing. You know, in this. Yes, and and in the book, there are so many examples where you say, okay, they spent $10 on this, or they spent $100, or even $1,000, but, which was rare, and then you show what they made off of it. (laughs) These ROIs were in the thousands. Yeah, well, you know, the new record is, is, uh, there's there's that one story in the new book of, of the the, uh, the Facebook ad, it was a contact ad used to reach the buyers of Walmart. And that thing oh, yes. produced. That was... Now the the marketers are going to be going again. They're going to be cringing, saying, "Oh my God, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about." But look, you got to hear this out. They used a twenty eight dollar ad to break through to the <laughs> to the to the buyer, the right buyer at Walmart. Well, and they didn't even they know, know who, exactly who which who buyer it was. Be. They just targeted Bentonville, Arkansas, where they are, where the you know where the headquarters <laughs> is, and certain you know demographics for education and age groups and. They reached them, and that little twenty-eight dollar ad resulted in a one point five million dollar order. It it resulted also in a rollout of their product in all sixty, I think it's sixty-eight hundred stores in their in their network. And you know, I was interviewing the the, the CEO about this story, and I said, "Well, you know, you're a startup. You, you've been in business for a year. You've sold a million dollars worth of product online, and then all of a sudden this happens. So, what did that do to the valuation of your company? I mean, you know, if, if suddenly now you're you're rolled out in Walmart. What did that do to it? And he said, well, I, I figured it made a, a, a 10X. It was a 10X jump in valuation of the company. So that's part of the ROI here of computation. But it, he figured, well, they sold a million dollars worth of product the entire previous year on, on YouTube um, and, and their website. Yeah. And so that ended up being a 69,500,000% ROI on the campaign. The numbers, the, the metrics are crazy in, in contact marketing. And it brought to mind that one line from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, when Alec Baldwin is yelling at the the salesman. And he says, the money's out there. You just got to pick it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that ran through my head when I read about that. It's like, it's out there, people. 
Go and do likewise, gents. The money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. The other thing about your book, did I mention that I liked your book? Uh, yeah, you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so here's another thing that's, I don't know if this was intentional, but it's a super ninja trick you've played. And you just touched on it there a moment ago. Like, we'll, we'll be working with clients, and they'll say, well, we need more leads. And we'll say, okay, you yeah, know, we can help with all of that. But you also need to be doing a targeted outreach. You need to be, as Aaron Ross would say, you need to be, you know, seeds, spears, and nets. Are you selling as much as you can to your current customers? Okay, great. That's a whole nother program. Who are your top 25 or whatever? And a disturbing number of companies say, oh, I don't know. We're just kind of waiting for the leads to come in. Well... This whole book requires that you do what you just suggested the listeners do. Just think about 25 or 100 companies that you'd really like to do work with. And then that starts to generate more business growth because you are proactively going after accounts that are probably quite happy. Yeah. I, you know, isn't that the basis of account-based marketing anyway? It is, yes. but I think that, you know, I'm trying not to be critical, but it's just sort of like, well, we're, we're busy, you know, and they are, we all, we're all busy. Yeah. But if you, there's, there's the, he talks about the three-legged stool or, or I do about, you know, that you've got to have, uh, are you selling as much to your current network? Are you going after happy customers that are, you know, steal, you can steal away like along Anthony Anarino's book. And, and then are you, what, then what are you doing to generate, um, leads from from your marketing. So that's the, the the premise of the book is that you first have to know who you're going after and who you would who would you would most like to go after and it's such a effective exercise for companies to say okay when a company gets to the point where they are rank ordering who their dream clients are they are on the right track because yep. there are certain lead qualifications or prospect qualifications where they say ah there seems to be a pattern with all of these companies that we'd really like to work with. Hmm, if we could get these, maybe we could fire some of the customers we have that are really not in our best interest or along uh, our strategy. So anyway, excuse me while I step down from my soapbox. <laughs> One last question. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend, uh, have heard of, or are looking forward to reading? Well, yeah, you know, well, I, I have, I, I'm going to tell tell you about two, um, I, I guess I could call them friends books, actually, because I just interviewed uh, John Janch, the, the author of De Oh, yeah. Marketing. He's coming up on the Marketing Book Podcast, but listeners should listen to your podcast, too. Well, yeah, we, well talk I, about that book. It's got a cool book. I mean, it's, yeah, they can, they can listen to both. That's great. But yes. it's got a really interesting book coming up that, that is called The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, and it's a, it's a mindset book, which is really interesting. It's yeah. totally unlike other business books that, um, any other business books that I've seen. They're, they're much more theoretical or, or I don't know. They um, they don't they don't have a reading per day that sets you in a, in the right mindset, which I think is great. I think that's really interesting. And then the other one um, is by um, by Alexandra Watkins. I think she's been on your podcast as well. Yes, yes, oh, just had her on. Yeah, my hello, my name is Awesome. Is yes, first book. And I, I she's got a new one coming out. Uh, pardon me, I don't know. I it's don't, the same. It's just the second edition, and it's oh okay. It's like uh, at least fifty percent of it is brand new material. Well, she, you know, she's just brilliant. She, yes, you know, I, I've known and her hilarious her. too. Really funny. She used to, she used to write uh, greeting cards. The really funny greeting cards that we probably all bought. Um, all she's done all kinds. She's she's an amazing copywriter, and but then she funneled all that into really very short copywriting um, <laughs> exercises. Just a name, but yeah, it comes up which, with is, brilliant name. which is deceptive because there's quite a bit that goes into naming a. 
a company or a brand or a service or a new product or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Excellent book. That's one of two books that have had me burst out laughing while on a flight <laughs> to the point where people were looking at me like, <laughs> what's wrong? What, what is wrong with you? And the first time, uh, so I was traveling alone to Minneapolis one day, but the, f- the first time it happened, I was reading uh, Scott and Allison's book on branding and I was with my uh, wife and I started laughing and as, often happens, uh, my wife said, stop it, you're embarrassing me. I mean, I hear that from her nearly every day anyway, if not from the kids. But I showed her the part from the Stratton's book that I was reading, and she started laughing. At which point, it was like, okay, well played, Stratton's. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a terrific, terrific book. So, at marketingbookpodcast.com, we're going to include links to your site and your social media and your LinkedIn profile so that uh, I hope listeners will connect with you and not spam you and thank you for being on the, on the podcast. And for you, dear listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app, all these links can be found by going to this episode and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is Get the Meeting, an Illustrative Contact Marketing Playbook, Case Studies, Tactical Examples, Photos, and Critical Steps to Get a 100% Response Rate Every Time. The author is Stu Hynek. Stu, thank you very much for joining us again on the Marketing Book Podcast. Douglas, what a pleasure and what an honor. Thank you so much for having me on. And that closes the book on episode 249 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Aribi. To start turning your website data into actionable insights, get your free 10-day trial, no credit card required, by visiting oribi.io slash marketing book. That's O-R-I-B-I dot I-O slash marketing book. And don't forget, make sure to use that link to get 30% off your first three months. You can also find that link at marketingbookpodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome Michael Brenner back to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Mean People Suck, How Empathy Leads to Bigger Profits and a Better Life. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. This episode was produced by Amanda Harrison. I should add, Mr. Hynek, you are episode 82, and this is going to be episode 249. So, Stu, I just want you to know, you don't have to wait 167 episodes to come back. I just have to write another book. That's it. Yes, and I've already told you what the the next one could be, so we'll do the second edition of Get the Meeting.